This is Cameron Dicker, the kicker, and you're listening to Player Profile. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the FutureCast show on the Roto Underworld YouTube channel. I am your host, Cody Carpentier. You can find me on Twitter at CarpentierNFL. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Milnick. You can find him on Twitter at FFDataKing. This week, we got a very special guest, the co-founder of Roster Watch, covering all things football for Texas for OrangeBloods.com. You can find him on Twitter at RosterWatch. Alex Dunlap, my man, from the Senior Bowl to the Combine. You're going to the Pro Days. You're going to the uh, Spring Ball. How are you doing? I'm doing good, fellas. Uh, good to be on. Good, good to be on with y'all. Can't wait. I just, Cody, I just got my got bought my um, bought my plane tickets today to be hanging out with you guys in Las Vegas for the draft. So I'm pumped about that, man. Getting to see everybody in person. We're, we're in the we're in the midst of draft season. It's I mean, what calendar's turning over to April here in a couple of days? It seems like it's all been just flying by. It seems like literally last week we were in Mobile uh, at the end of January. So. Um, I know you've been grinding through all these prospects, so tonight we're going to cover some Longhorns. We're going to talk a little, maybe maybe, maybe sprinkling some Arch Manning in there. I heard he was on campus last week, and then we'll finish out talking about some receivers from this 2022 class. And then we'll do a little rapid-fire segment uh, with some running backs and, and potential landing spots uh, in this draft class as well. But uh, first things first, you know, like I said, we're in the middle of pro day season, uh, all these spring practices. Texas thing just had their, what, fourth practice yesterday? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. We've seen some positive comments from from Quinn Ewers. Uh, we've seen a lot of things about Hudson Card. Ewers is 13th in the Heisman odds right now. Card's not in the top 60. Uh, can you tell us anything about uh, kind of that competition going on right now in, at Texas? Jesus, yeah. I mean, where to start? Um, well, I mean, you guys know Hudson Card last year uh, when whenever he got the opportunity to play, whenever Casey Thompson was hurt, whenever the thumb really kind of started to bother him. Um, I mean, it's like, where do you want me to start? It's like, because if, if, if we, if we go back to spring football last year, we come out of spring football with the idea that Casey Thompson just had this huge game in the Alamo bowl, right. Versus Utah. Right. And Steve mm-hmm. Sarkeesian comes on as the new head coach. All he talks about is just, I mean, if you were just to look at Casey Thompson in that bowl game, that Alamo bowl game, you would have been excited about him the same way that Steve Sarkeesian was. But Steve Sarkeesian gets into spring football last year. Um, sees what Hudson Card kind of what he could be, you know, what like the the the, the raw tools that he had to make him, you know, Jeff Ketchum, the publisher over at Orange Bloods, um, had Hudson Card as the you know the number one prospect overall in the whole entire state that year. I mean Hudson was a Hudson was a really, really good player coming out. And through the course of everything, it was almost like Hudson Card took the lead, you know, through in, in the quarterback battle. Right there, right there till the very, very end of it, where it kind of flip flop back a little bit to Casey Thompson. Thompson gets hurt. Um, and we see Hudson. Uh, Hudson had a tough time, man, last year. And it, it wasn't necessarily because all it, you can't put it all on him. You know, he, he did process things slowly. He was terrible in the pocket. He could not feel pressure. But, man, pressure was coming from all sides. The Texas offensive line is terrible. Um, 
they're getting better. They had a really good recruiting year this year, bringing in seven really, really good offensive linemen, one of which is on campus right now. But a lot of reinforcements coming in this summer. I think that's going to be really helpful for whoever is the quarterback moving forward. But, I mean, guys, I mean, I think that the fan base, Sarkeesian, everybody involved saw Hudson Card last year. And everybody involved certainly would probably be happy if Quinn Ewers came in and made it – Made it be like, hey man, like he's the he's the guy getting all the NIL money. He's driving around the awesome Corvette, you know. He's like he's mm-hmm. he's wandering around on Instagram with all the wide receivers. He's this cool dude with the mullet. I mean, everybody wants Quinn to win the job, right? But uh, they're coming into spring ball, man. These 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 guys are splitting work with the ones. The first guy out there with the ones is is still Hudson Card. So I mean, it just goes along this deal where it's like you come in, you're not going to be really handed anything except these days, I guess, NIL money, you're, you're just handed that. But, um, <laughs> but like, um, you know, it's, there's, they're splitting reps right now. I think Hudson looks good, you know, throwing footballs against air in the periods that we've been able to see live. Uh, Saturday was the first day of full pads. And in that first day of full pads, they were able to get in some scrimmage like work during that time. Quinn looked bad. You know, I talked to some people who were at practice. Quinn, Quinn threw three interceptions. And that just goes to show he's probably getting used to what's going on here. But, you know, the thing that really haunted Casey Thompson through spring of last year that let Hudson kind of get the step up on him was the fact that he was throwing he was throwing the ball. He was turning the ball over. He's throwing too many interceptions in practice. And that was something that Steve Sarkeesian simply can't abide by. You know, he talked about it at his press conference. It's the interceptions. He talked about his press conference just actually – Yesterday, after practice, whenever he said, you know, people ask you if Quinn could come in and be a 65 percent completion guy here. He said, well, if he's not 65 percent completion, he's not going to be playing. You know, he's like those are the two things you you can't turn the football over. You know, you got to be six, you know, over 65 percent completion percentage if you're going to be somebody that fits into our system and fits into what we do. And they believe that Quinn can be that guy, I think. But right now, I mean, both those guys are working in with the ones. We're not going to get any immediate word from Steve Sarkeesian about what's going to happen with this because here's the thing. We have the transfer portal now. And you guys talked mm-hmm. about the portal on the on the show. Like, um, Hudson Card's a good prospect that a lot, of, a, a lot of colleges would really like. He looks behind him. He's like, Jesus, I got Malik Murphy coming in from California. Uh, now, Malik Murphy, the true freshman who's on campus right now, he just got out of his walking boot. But from what the staff is saying is he's still got a little bit of a ways. It isn't like he's going to come right into practice. So I think in a lot of ways, maybe having Malik not healthy for this time really helps Sark's ability to just have Quinn – and HUD just saying, like, look, man, these these guys are battling it out right now. Malik is kind of on the backside. Don't even worry about him. He's hurt. Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to get any kind of distinct word until you know, he's not going to come out and say one of these guys is my starter because all of a sudden then it opens up all kinds of stuff to, you know, is there going to be a transfer portal issue with Hudson Card? Because we, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Texas, they can't stand to lose Hudson Card. But mm-hmm. I mean, if that way, if things go bad with Quinn, you know, if things go downhill, it's like, what do you turn to Malik Murphy? Like who's right. who for the last two years, I mean, he's from California. And so I don't know where you got, I, I know Cody's from Virginia. I don't know where, uh, where, 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 where are you from, man? Central, uh, Central Illinois. 
Okay, so neither of you guys are from California, but California shut everything down. Like yeah, he, right. he he had to play spring football for only a few games. He like he hasn't really even had the high school experience. He's he comes in pretty raw despite having really good tools. So you got that guy, and then you got basically walk on level players. I mean, Texas needs both of these dudes. Hudson Card. Oh yeah. It, Hudson Card is a student at the McComas Business School of Texas, which is you know. Hate to be a homer about it as a Texas grad, but definitely one of the best business schools in all of America, cer- cer- certainly oh. as far as a public school. And um, so he's there. There are, there are a lot of ways I think Sark can keep both these guys happy, but I don't think we're going to get any kind of – we're not going to get any reporting that comes from any sourcing that's close to the team, at least close to the team, like the staff, that says one of these guys is just way ahead. Just because they got to they gotta keep these dudes happy. From what we hear from behind the scenes at practice – both these guys have their ups and downs still. Um, from what I've seen in practice, I mean, versus air, Quinn, Quinn, I feel like, throws the prettier football. He, he throws the football that looks a little bit more catchable. Um, I, you know, pretty bad day, though, on Saturday from everything that we heard. I mean, I, I got text from practice saying that he looked terrible. So, I mean, they're going to be ups and downs. We'll see what happens. But clearly, he's going to be a huge part of what, of what of what happens with this offense. And I think that, you know, there there's, there's some confidence that – coming in this summer with all the five-star offensive linemen, they were able to somehow miraculously recruit coming off just an abomination of a five and seven season. They were able to sort of sell on the fact that this is a rebuild. I think that with that, with the weapons that I'm sure you guys will want to talk about on offense that they have to surround these dudes. uh, I think that there's, you know, I think that they're set up for success. I think that the general consensus among everybody, I mean, fans included, I mean, I think that they would love for Hudson to really turn it on, but I think that they – I mean, I think people are pretty pumped up to see Quinn Ewers and they're really rooting for him to turn it on and make the most of this opportunity. So you, you said Malik Murphy. You're talking Hudson Card. Uh, you're talking Quinn Ewers. Uh, Arch Manning was on campus last weekend. Is I mean, it, is there even a chance now with, like, seeing how loaded the quarterback class the, – the quarterback room is right now? Like, is Arch going to just be like, why, do, why would I want to go compete with these guys? Or do you think that Texas has an upper hand because they're just proving that they're kind of trying to rebuild? Or do you have a thought on Arch Manning? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on, on Arch Manning. Of course, I mean, it's, <laughs> with Texas being a Texas being a runner for Arch Manning is a big, big deal, and it has a lot to do with his relationship, the family's relationship, and how much they trust Steve Sarkeesian. And it, as weird as it was, man, through the course of last year, as Texas was managing to just completely be clown itself and, you know, crap all over its own pants in front of everybody. Um, it's like the reports that we would get from the Arches side of things weren't, you know, just like, Hey man, they're, really? you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a new program. There's they're, they're getting wow. their stuff together. Um, hmm. You know, he didn't, he didn't, re- he took it all in stride. He acted like it wasn't mm-hmm. really any, any skin off his back. And, you know, this last visit on Saturday, it was a big time visit, man. He came in. Uh, he was able to take in some of the Dell match play over here by where I live at the um, kind of west of town uh, um, where Sam Ellinger was like Sam Ellinger was there with him and he got to kind of hang out with him. And the Mannings are really, really big. Like as much as they love football, they really, really love golf. So I think that was a cool thing for him to him to be at. And, you know, the word was I mean, the visit was great. The visit was great. And, you know, he always said he was not going to commit until, you know, the season, maybe after the season. But now there's talk that, you know, Arch Arch could commit at some point during the spring. 
he's taking visits to the other schools and clearly, you know, I, you know, I don't think it's a lock that it's going to be Texas, but I do think that, and look, man, generally I'm, I'm the, I'm a guy that takes a negative slant towards Texas and recruiting and stuff like that. I'd, I'd say yeah. these, these guys have to show me before they're going to land, you know, the top sure. quarterback in the country over, over the Georges or over the legacy stuff with Ole Miss when they paint Manning in the end zone whenever he comes to visit during the during during the year and stuff. I mean, right. those are tough things to overcome. But I I mean, it's our Texas is in the in this for Arch Manning, yeah. and it 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 could it could happen this spring that he that he ends up committing somewhere. I still think it's most likely it'll be during during the season or shortly after the season. I don't think he'll stretch it out to net, to the uh, Certainly not to the second national signing day. Um, maybe he'll he'll stretch it out to NSD one, but um, I, I think it's becoming more and more likely that it could be spring. And guys, like if I were putting odds on it, just, I haven't talked to Arch. I don't have any sources within his circle, but I do know people who do, and I do trust them. And um, I, I think the text, you know, if I did, if you put a gun to my head and I had to pick a school, man, I, I would I would pick Texas for Arch Manning right now. That's fascinating you mentioned that because, like, I'm thinking through this, right? So Tom Herman, 50 and 32, right? Like, they were – those Longhorns, I always felt, were, like, a like superstar quarterback away from being, like, the next here, right, from getting over the hump of Oklahoma. And now with, with Sark going five and seven last year – so you're saying there's no concern coming out of the Archmanning camp whatsoever about about – Texas being in this rebuilding era right now, not that's been commu- not that's been com- communicated to any but uh, anybody on the Orange Bloods staff that has these yeah. good connections. Um, it's been this has been a story about where he is most comfortable, where he can go and build his brand, where he can do, um, where he can be in a community that is one you know, where his life after football can um, be one that's enriched in all the ways that this can, I mean, whether you like Texas or not, you have to understand, I mean, the city of Austin and the surrounding areas are like real highly desirable areas to live and to be networked in with folks. And there's a lot of cash in the endowment. There's just, there's a lot of reasons to like, to like Texas and the fact that they like Sark, you know, so much, I think um, has a, has a lot to do with it. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what too, man, whenever you see Arch Manning, I was at, uh, whenever he visited back in the last summer, whenever you just see him, like he got, you know, he's got the kid's face and he's young. And last summer he was super young, but dude, you see him and you want, you, you see why the coaches are so like, why everybody's after him. Not just because his last name's Manning, but it's because he's got these giant hands and these giant feet, like a Clydesdale horse. And he's so tall and stuff. And he looks like a, he looks like a cartoon kid, you know, like a car, like a cartoon kid that's just built so big and tall and just with all these massive proportions. You're like, golly, when he he's going to be a big giant man, you know, he's going to be he's going to be a big giant dude one day. So, um, yeah, man, like I could certainly see why there's all the interest in Arch Manning. I mean, I think the most the biggest thing with him is probably the Manning name and the pedigree and everything like that. But it's I I, I can't explain it any better. I mean. I can't explain it any any better any better than you guys why he would choose a place like Texas that right now has been in the doldrums and that's it. I guess it would just be his belief that Sark can get it turned around. And I think also I can't I can't even I can't say enough 
what a big deal the seven offensive linemen that they brought in this year, you know, what a big deal that was. I mean, two of those guys are probably going to come in and be, I mean, at least one's going to have to be an immediate starter. And there are two that'll probably be starters by the end of the year. And there are probably yeah. four that, I mean, that I've watched these guys extensively. I've seen them live in camps. I've, I mean, DJ Campbell is the number one offensive lineman in all of Texas. He's one of the top in the whole nation. I mean, you got Kelvin Banks. You got flipped from Oregon. You flip Cam, you flip Cam Williams from Oregon. Um, Neto uh, Omiazolo is, is another one who could probably come in and step right in at, at guard. So all of a sudden you're looking like you have an offensive line that can really, really do some things. And a staff that can really recruit. I mean, they can do this recruiting off at five and seven year. Imagine what they can right. build if Arch is the, you know, they, they only have two kids committed for the 2023 class right now. So imagine if Arch could be the bell cow for that and and how much he could help with a staff that's really shown that it can go out and recruit just on the heels of an absolute disaster of a season like like we had in 2021. So it sounds like you're pretty sold on Sarkeesian then, right? At least for the next few, next couple of years. I'm then? sold on him as a recruiter. I'm sold, yeah, I'm okay. sold on him as a recruiter. I mean, how can you be sold on a dude that lost – what, did they lose six straight games at one point last season? <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, they, they lost they, to can't. They fucking lost brutal. to Kansas at home. They lost to Kansas brutal. at home. What yeah, uh, I mean, what, what hurt more last year, the, the the collapse against Oklahoma or the loss loss against Kansas? Well, here's the thing about the collapse against Oklahoma was that though that didn't hurt, but that didn't hurt. The, you can't lose to Kansas at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't lose to Kansas. Period. You can't lose to Kansas. Period. I mean, it it, it literally is a fireable offense. Oh. If he wasn't in his first year, like. If if he I lost to Kansas fair. next year, if he lost to Kansas next year, like he like he might get fired. That's that's how people act around here. So, um, but with the OU game, what was cool was so, so crazy about that is Texas. I think I might have even said this to Cody whenever we were at the combine. But if 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 Spencer Radler would have been just a little bit less shitty in that game, mm-hmm. um. Just if, if if he would have been a little bit better, just a little bit better, just good enough not to get benched, Texas, Texas would have easily won. Yeah, they would have easily won. Oh yeah, would just not come in and go and, and, and go God mode on these guys, and it, like it would have been it would have been a Texas win, and it's just like and that would have set the that would have set the tempo for the whole rest of the season because that very week I think didn't Texas A and M they had Alabama at home that same weekend, and it was like. That could have just really set the tone in Texas. It could have really helped with the with, the, with that portion of recruiting coming into the coming into the uh, most important kind of end part of the season there in the stretch run. And I don't think the team would have folded the same way. So I mean, yeah, that was a terrible loss, but losing to, losing to Kansas, I mean, Fire it's like it, you can't do. I mean, it's just like how does that even happen? I mean, that's what got Charlie Strong fired. Like you know, you just you can't lose to Kansas around here. Yeah, the, so, the other thing I was going to bring up real quick, Cody. You mentioned Casey Thompson. So what what does Hudson Carr bring to the offense that Casey Thompson couldn't? Or I guess what what are the what are the best parts of Hudson Carr's game that you're not going to miss with Casey Thompson leaving? Uh, that we've actually seen on a football field with, with with eleven players on defense coming after his ass. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Nothing. Fair. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've seen in practice better. Yeah. Um, uh, he's got a be- he's got a better better arm. He's a much a much better just natural arm talent. He throws yeah. a more catchable football. Throws more accurate b- balls against air. Doesn't turn the football. Do- doesn't take as many chances. Um, 
So he's a little bit, a uh, little bit more conservative, maybe in theory, a guy who could manage the game a little bit better. But we just we didn't see that. What we saw, you know, what we saw out of Hudson last year was a guy who was completely shell shocked. It was it, you can't take it, you can literally take nothing from the 2021 season and kind of put it in the pros column from Hudson Card. Everything that we've seen and everything that we could project thus far we would just be doing on a theoretical base or on, on a hypothetical theoretical basis, just an on paper kind of deal. There's nothing concrete that we, that we can point to that we've seen. Obviously we're in the Brees Hall talk. You've seen Brees Hall uh, for the last few seasons while covering Texas, but you know, Bijan entering year three um, he's fourth in the Heisman odds right now uh, from what you've seen, from what you're expecting. Can we think of like a Deontay Foreman, Jamal Charles type third season at Texas? Like, is that what Bijan's going to be on this year? Like, do you think they're going to feature him, uh, especially with Carter Ewers coming in at quarterback and then having all these uh, talent that receiver and tight end? Like, is Bijan going to be that dude? Can, can we expect close to 2,000 yards like like from Charles and, and Foreman? Well, I, I mean, I think that with Bijan is different because with Bijan, it is, with, with, with Deontay coming into his junior season, it wasn't really expected that he was going to win the Dope Walker Award. I mean, you, you got to remember yeah. that you got to remember that. Deontay Foreman was overshadowed by his brother, Armani Foreman, for his first few years. First few years at Texas, certainly as a recruit. I mean, do you guys forget? I mean, Deontay Foreman was a two-star recruit. I, I mean, I, I was a huge fan of Deontay. Um, God rest his soul, man. I got to know his his dad, Derek Foreman, real well, even through the re- recruiting process. And I remember, you know, I remember going to bat for Deontay when people would say that this guy's a throw-in. You know, there's no, you know, it was uh, – Mac, it was Mac Brown who offered both those guys. And um, they said that they said the only reason that they offered Deontay was because he was Armani's brother. And I said, you guys don't realize, man, like I've clocked Deontay at some of these uh, some of these events with my hand timer. But like, dude, like four, four, five. And back then he was 218 something pounds, like 218, 220 pounds. (laughs) This is like this guy is no, you know, this guy is no uh, throw in. He like he's he's no scrub at all. Um, But people I don't think people were really, really expecting a big year from him. I think everybody's expecting Bijan to have a really big year. Um, the question is how much is he going to get the football? And I think that, yeah. you know, last year um, he did. He, so Bijan missed the last two games of the regular season right. but he, and and half of the Kansas game, right? But even with that being the case, he still played what, 60, 63% of the team's total snaps last year. I mean, Roshan Johnson – um, he played a ton of snaps in the last two games, basically a 75% snap share the last two games, and still was only like 27% uh, snap share on the whole season. Cody, as you know, there are NFL scouts that love Roshan Johnson and who think that he should be getting more run. But I just I think the staff, the, they're completely different than they were um, under Tom Herman. And now that the running backs coach, Stan, Stan Drayton, uh, has moved on to take the what he, t- he took the head coaching job at Temple, I, I believe, and so now um, now they brought in Tashard Choice, who mm-hmm. I think he comes from Georgia Tech, but you guys know him from I think he's the Bills and the Cowboys running back for a long yeah. time. Uh, you know he he he's he's brought in just to he's he's talked about Bijan, you know featuring him, getting him involved in the passing game and everything. But Texas does still have Keelan Robinson who was the transfer out of Alabama that came on and played a little bit last year's a change of pace. He's put on a little bit of weight this spring. He looks, he looks bigger. Like he probably wants to get a little, little more run between the tackles. They also have a, a guy that's a, um, going to be a true sophomore this next year, Jonathan Brooks, number 24, that was basically 
a Texas high school legendary producer who is going to like, he'll be a, after Bijan leaves next year, which, which he certainly will barring unforeseen disaster. I think that, I think that that's when we'll see guys like Brooks and maybe this true freshman that's on campus right now, Jade, Jade and blue begin to get some run, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to all roads with this offense are going to, as far as the run game, we'll go through Bijan. They'll continue to get him involved in the passing game. He looks really good in these wheel routes. Yeah. Where we, where we've seen him out in practice. We've seen his hands in the in the games. I think that – I mean, I was just seeing that um, in these Debbie leagues – I saw a tweet today. Man, I wish I could give credit to who put it out, but they said that – I saw I, – dude, I saw three Texas players in like the top 15 of Debbie leagues. You yeah. know, and, B, and, B, and Bijan mm-hmm. by far – Bijan by far – is the number is like the 1.01, you know, right now as far as these leagues. So we got Jameer Gibbs. So I don't, I don't want to go off of Texas at all, but Jameer Gibbs transfers to Bama from Georgia Tech, and he's another guy that's in that 2023 class. My worry is, and it wouldn't really be a worry because I've, I like Bijan much more than Jameer, but if Jameer goes to Alabama and say Alabama features him and maybe he goes for 15, 1600 yards, by what you're telling me with, with the depth at running back at Texas and then, and then Bijan coming off a little bit of an injury. Could you see a world where maybe he only sees like 200 touches, like, no. and, and he kind of doesn't get the full Georgia workload where it's like, hey, we're going to split it even, but like, where he they don't completely feature him, they just use him like, uh, uh, you know, when they need him. Like, is that something you could see, like, where they just kind of hold him back? Cause that could, that could be something they're not good enough in, to hold Bijan back. Okay. Okay. There's nobody who can create on their own on this team, like, like Bijan Robinson. They're okay. going to need guys who can create on their own. These offensive linemen that they're bringing in are, are, are awesome and they're going to be really good and they're going to be better than what Texas has seen in lots of years. But these guys are going to be learning on the fly. I mean, these are live bullets. You need guys who can create on their own. Bijan can create on his own. He's a magician like that. You'll see Roshan Johnson in on like wildcat runs and stuff like that. You'll probably right. see him in on these two running back sets. Um, but no, I mean, it's unless Texas, you know, if you just look at the schedule, like maybe early in the season when they're playing their out of conference schedule, I don't have the schedule pulled up. I forgot. Shit. I mean, they're playing Alabama's when they're out of conference games. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, well. so, so <laughs> he, he won't come out of that one. Um, and, and you know, and, uh, I, I just, I think unless Texas is blowing people out, you know, that's when Bijan will come out, but it, I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it like this, man. I don't see it as a situation like we saw with, um, uh, were, did Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris come out in the same year? I for, am I messing that up? Yeah, because Jacobs was a wasn't Jacobs a first, and then I think Damian was a third. And they came out it, the same year. Yeah, yeah and and and, and, a, and a lot of people ask like, well, why is Josh Jacobs going in the first round whenever like Damian Harris was the workhorse all the time and all this stuff? Yeah. And 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 Nick Saban was like, well, we were saving we were saving Josh Josh Jacobs, right? Yeah, <laughs> like like Josh is that good. Um. Texas won't have that luxury. They can't just okay. hide. Be, they can't just hide your <laughs> nuclear weapon. Like he's he's one of the main weapons that you actually have. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you got you got any other questions, uh, Andy, regarding regarding Texas? Oh, I think just one more. So, like doing some research on the Longhorns, kind of coming into this, they're ranked fifth overall recruit rankings and transfer portal rankings by twenty four seven Sports. Does that seem too high, too low, or just about right for the 2022 season? So they're ranked what in the recruiting rankings? Fifth. Fifth right now. Are they ranked below Texas A&M? Uh, the ones you're looking at? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think Texas A&M was ranked one, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they should probably be closer than that. But I think that, look, man, I think that the, with the recruiting class that they put – look, the, the offensive lineman was all that I asked for. I said, get 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 five of these guys. That was the that they they needed five. They got seven. They're all real. I would say six of the seven are are very very good. The seventh being Malik Agbo that I have a couple more questions about. But I mean, you 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 never really know how 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 some of these dudes will turn out. Um, as far as the transfer portal stuff, I say like, I mean, you got Isaiah, you got Isaiah Nayer out of there. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't Quinn Ewers count as a transfer portal guy? Billingsley, yeah. and you guys got Billingsley, Texas, right? Jaleel Bill. Jaleel, well, I wouldn't. Say, I can't say like us because I I report on the team, but they did, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. um, they uh, they um, they get Billingsley. Uh, I'm trying to think of Ryan Ryan Watts, the, the the kid from from Ohio State on the on the defensive side of the football. So, I mean, they've had some. I've seen, where where were they ranked as far as transfers? It says it says fifth here, but what I'm looking at is the breakdown. The breakdown really what they're only missing is like the five star aspect. So uh, as far as four stars go, A and M's got 19, Bama had 19, and Texas had 19, which was the most in the class. Uh, their point breakdown is A and M 330, Bama 322, Georgia 316, Ohio State 300, and then Texas at 288, and they're and they're fifth, uh, ten points below Ohio State, ten points above Penn State. But the transfer class, I mean, the transfer oh, from the class. Transfer Did you class? say that was ranked something? No. Um, yeah. Transfer. Transfers down at tenth because uh, they only got four commits. That's good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, portal. I mean, but hey, they 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 were all good, right? I mean, Ryan. But, they, but I was going to say, but they're strong. Ryan Ryan Watts is going to start. Quinn Ewers is going to. Quinn Ewers is going to start. I don't think Mayor. Billingsley. I don't think Billingsley is going to start, man, because no, man. But- should, Jatavian Sanders is coming is coming on like crazy. Oh, yeah. Spranio guy, you guys like, uh, and he looks like a he looks like a beast. He's put on some weight, so just keep an eye out for the tight end Jatavian Sanders. Um, he was the crown jewel of the recruiting class last year, and a guy who a lot of fans really wanted to play defensive end just because he's so so beastly. But man, go back and watch some of his highlights from as a high schooler. You you'll see that he's just a G. And just be, before we get off Texas, I I just. I'd be remiss if I didn't say like I I really think that this is going to be a big year for for Xavier Worthy. Um, just uh, uh, if there's any sort of any sort of stability at the quarterback position, and there should be a little bit more. It's another year in the coaching scheme. These guys haven't had to spend all winter just doing install, yeah. right? Um, they've been they've been doing a lot more. Um, they just they do they they look bigger and kind of faster and stuff. They don't look like their heads are swimming quite as much. I think that there's just going to be a little bit of a natural kind of this. The rising tide of the program will sort of lift all the boats. And Xavier Worthy to me has looked like I mean probably the best Texas Longhorn wide receiver I've ever seen. You know, so um, I mean I, he was a freshman last year. I, I couldn't believe what a dog he is and how how he could just how fast he, you know, how fast he is. He's going to, I mean, if, if you just look at just like the, um, if you just look at the hundred, like the hundred meter dash times, right. Of some of these guys and you, and you just, so I, I'd, I'd written about this before, just, just how fast he is. So if you look at, um, Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Waddle ran a four three seven forty at the combine. Brandon Cooks ran a four three three. Nicole Hardman ran a four three three. So 
these guys in high school, their best times, Cooks ran a 10-7-2 for his 100. Waddle ran a 10-6-8. Hardman ran a 10-6-4. Xavier Worthy ran a 10-5-5. Oh, in the two in the in the two in the two hundred meter, um, Waddle ran a twenty two point four. Hardman ran a twenty two point zero three. Cooks ran a twenty one point nine four. Worthy ran a twenty one point four one. So man. we're talking about guys that blazed slow four threes, and Xavier Worthy is faster than them as far as his track speed. He catches everything you throw his way. He doesn't want to come out of football games. He holds his teammates accountable. He's just a beast of a duty for being so skinny. I think that Sarkeesian really sees him as his Texas version of Devontae Smith. If they don't mess up this quarterback situation, uh, Worthy, uh, Jatavian Sanders, like you said, Isaiah Nair, Bijan Robinson, I mean, 20th best odds to win the national championship right now, I think tied 18th or something like that with, uh, I think, Oklahoma State. Like, this is definitely a fifth, top 15 team, I think. So um, I love going through all that Texas stuff, but uh, we're here. Let's talk about some 2022 wide receivers. Uh, since Mobile, we've been discussing back and forth with a number of these guys, whether it be Wilson, Olave, uh, Romeo. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the last conversation we had, Garrett Wilson jumped back up to wide receiver one position. Is he still there? I mean, I, I well, no, that day he was. I've been going back and forth, man. I've been going back and forth, and we'll release our final rankings on roster watch, and it'll be Trash Man and I's consensus. And there are going to be some ties that our co founder Byron's going to have to break. But, man, look, I, I can understand where everybody's at with this. And I can under, I, I wonder if P, Cody, is everybody having as hard a time as me? Like, is, is everybody is, is like torn? Like, Andy, are you yeah. torn like in your soul about your wide receiver rankings? Is it easy for you? It's, it's been impossible for me this year, especially in the top three. But as of right now, I do have Chris Olave at number one. I think I'm probably I think I'm probably going to stay there. Whenever I had the Garrett Wilson, when I did the Garrett Wilson evaluation, I refell in love with him. And I I did, but just having some time to think about it and going back to watch Olave, think about the reasons why I love Chris Olave so much. Um, thinking about that, my first comparison when I saw him play was like a Marvin Harrison kind of Calvin Ridley type player with the super young breakout eggs, the all-time touchdown scoring leader in all of Ohio State's history that basically mm-hmm. is the smoothest wide receiver in this class. He has, but he's just also just so, so fast. Um, I, I just, I feel like he looks absolutely pro ready to me. I feel like he yeah. comes with so few question marks where it's like, man, you know, if I have him as on my wide receiver one, I don't think that Chris Olave is ever going to make me look like dumb. You know, I, I just, yeah. I just, so I think, I think that's the top thing with Chris Olave is like, for me, I have him number one uh, in my draft grades, and that's for the NFL based, uh, not exact, not fantasy exactly, but I think it, it it runs close, right? So, like in the NFL side, I had eight point six three on Olave and eight oh oh on Garrett Wilson, and that's the one two guys. And and I think those guys belong right there because I think there's we have a little bit of question with Burks. Uh, we have questions that can get answered this next week from uh, from London at his pro day uh, if he's healthy. I don't think Pickens is in that conversation. I don't think Jamison's quite in that conversation, um, though I think they could be. Uh, but like you said, I think it's his top three, four guys. 
And for me, it's just Olave, the smoothness. We saw it at the combine run that gauntlet drill. Uh, we saw it, uh, you know, all the way through every process. Like the pro day last week was was awesome. And, and you said, uh, would you say Marvin Harrison? Uh, we have best comparable Stephon Diggs on player profiler. Yeah, uh, from the from the play style comp, I had Odell Beckham. Like I think this is the easiest one. And, and I had this conversation with you, and I said, you know, and I've said this a lot was. These guys together reminded me of that the tandem of, of of Jarvis Landry and Odell. Not from the, not from the overall like how they play and stuff, but you know I, I think Wilson has those superstar qualities. Will he hit them? I, I don't I don't know. I hope I think so. But Olave is like the guaranteed thing in my opinion. Like if I had to bet, like you just said, who's going to make you not look foolish? I think Olave is that guy that like if you're going to say in five years who's going to be the best receiver from this class, the money would be on Olave for me. Like and I don't think that's a bad thing. The other thing to remember is a lot of people say like, well, but they, but I put it in my model that um, Garrett Wilson's a junior declare and Chris Olave is a senior. But the, I mean, if you look at it, they're, they're only three months difference in eight. They're the same age, but they're he the same age. Out. That's the thing. It's like, he could have came out last year. He just wanted to go back. Like it's not, like he, it's not like he was like Jalen Tolbert where it's like, I need to go back to kind of elevate my stat, my, my, my draft stock, you know, both of these Tom's guys. Sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. What'd you say? No, I was going to say, I was just say, yeah, like college is sick. Like, why wouldn't you want to go back? You know, you're an Ohio State football player. You know what I mean? Like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why some, and some of these dudes, I forget, man, it's been such a haze of this whole time during all this COVID BS. But did like, didn't the Big Ten have this? Was it the year before last where the Big Ten got swindled out of all these games and stuff? So maybe he didn't want to leave on that kind of year. Like, you yeah. can kind of. I mean, both the both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are going to be twenty-one year old guys who turn twenty-two at some point during their rookie se- season. Like, uh, so I just I don't see the stuff where you know the Garrett Wilson, you know, he's so much uh, so much younger and everything like that. I just I would just say that with Garrett Wilson, he certainly does have you know just the elite you know body control and just the elite. I mean, very elite quickness, and he's just so. Um, He's so he's so sudden and he's so great at manipulating his play speed and just his hands. You mentioned Odell Beckham when you talk about Chris Olave, but to me it's like just the absolute natural hands catcher that Garrett Wilson is. I mean, it can it can really uh what is it? Like it can really hip, hypnotize you when you're watching him just to fall in love with these traits of 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 his, you know. But there are some, you know, there are some things that you look at with Garrett Wilson that you know, he did, did he, did we ever get a new shuttle time on him uh, from the pro day yet? I, I know that I you're pulling all those numbers, but he had a horrible short shuttle, which to me was just really, really kind of weird considering that he seems to just have such great natural agility. He also, I mean, he like, if you look at the PFF, he dropped, he dropped six passes last year, which is something that I certainly didn't, uh, notice on tape of the games that I watched, but I, you know, I didn't watch every single game, every single game that he played. And um, I, I just, I wonder if he has this, I just wonder if people just kind of fall in love with, you know, like we talked about earlier, like he, like he has that stop start nature in his routes where he, you know, where he can really manipulate his play speed. But we saw that that kind of, it can lead to um, in games. I, how do I say it? It can lead to, he can sometimes feel like a little bit out of control with his with his locomotion, if that makes sense. He can sometimes he can sometimes feel like he can he's the guy who's just such a such a stop start you know freak you out on a dime kind of deal where he could almost like trip himself up. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, that, yeah. that isn't ever a thing that you would ever say about Chris, o, Chris Olave, who, you know, who's like, who's like a smooth Keenan Allen operator. That's just so much faster than a Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. Which one of the top end wide receivers that we've been talking about, are you like less high on now that you've had a chance to think about it a little bit more? You're putting together the rankings. Well, the ones who, okay. So I I'm with Cody. I feel like, that the Ohio State guys and Traylon Burks in some order at the top. I mean, I feel like that should probably be the top three for, um, I, I, you know, that I think that's the top three. Um, but then, I, then after that, it gets interesting. After that, I mean, because you have Jamison Williams. How much do you discount the fact that you know he's he's going to be you know he's, he's coming off the injury? Um, how much do you worry about the fact that he's made you know that he had to leave? You know, he had to, he kind of had to leave the other school to get the playing time. Um, and also, how do you also like if he trash man says trash man loves him because he thinks he's going to be a Will Fuller? And I said, Well, no, no. <laughs> if that's, a, but I don't if, think that's reason to love somebody though. Like, that's uh, like, that's kind of what I said. I said, Well, if he's Will Fuller, how can we have him in the rankings whenever it's like, you know, Traylon Burks, if he's an A, if he's really an AJ Brown, and yeah. and if, if, uh, if, if Jahan Dotson's really a you know a Deontay Johnson or something like this, and if if Drake's really a Terrell Owens or a, you know an Andre Johnson or something like this, then like how high do you really put Will Fuller as far as your that's, as far yeah. as your comps? So that's what we I, got Deshaun Jackson. So exactly what you said, like Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson. I haven't thought about this, so this is a good point that you're making. It's like how high should you have him? Because it's like for fantasy, I mean. You kind of you're kind of paying for those big boom bust games, right? You're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get a lot of bust, but you're gonna get a few booms. It's like, would you rather have that or, uh, you know, a Sky Moore or Christian Watson? Like, right? Uh, being being I, honest, you know. I yeah, I think I mean I'll have I'll, I'll have Jameson Williams ahead of those. I'll have Jameson Williams no. ahead of those guys. Yeah. But um, I I just to me it's what comes into consideration for me is just rounding out the top five is you know. Um, Drake London, Jamison Williams. I the more I watch of Jahan Dotson, I get the more I get some of the same feelings that I do about Olave. It's like, well, how's this? How's this guy gonna miss? It's yeah. like, how's he gonna miss? <laughs> um, he just he, he's another one of these guys that's just so magical and just as far as his you know his his production too. I mean, I mean, forty eight percent of his team's receiving touchdowns, thirty one percent of his team's receptions, thirty four percent of his team's uh, receiving yards last year. He was, I mean, talk about a dominator. What like I don't know. I don't know if his player profile pulled up, but I'm sure his dominator rating was some kind of wacky percentile. Yeah, 40, 44.4%. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on. Uh, yeah. Just a crazy, crazy situation there with, with him. Traylon Burks is the same way for sure. but um, And those are very different kinds of players. But yeah, I would say that Jahan Dotson, you know, he ran the four four three. He had some kind of bad jumps and stuff like that. I haven't gone back in and, I haven't gone back in and seen if he was able to improve on those. It is that is has John Dotson had his had his pro day yet? Yeah, I, I think it was last week, but I haven't seen yeah. any officials coming. You always see the Twitter numbers, but I, I'm not going to really kind of jump on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have mine updated with any of the yeah. any of the uh, pro day numbers yet. So that could improve a little bit, but he he didn't test like quite the athlete that I figured that yeah. he would at the combine. Yeah, there's a lot of four three conversation there, but uh, digging a little deeper now. Um, past the top 10 who's somebody kind of outside of your top 10 that you think maybe in in six months uh, is a guy that you're like all right you know post draft 
uh, post camp, you're like, this guy's going to get the opportunity and, and, and I would feel confident drafting him maybe in like at that point uh, uh, in time, maybe not. You'll have him in like maybe at the late rounds of the rookie draft. Somebody else in your top 10 is kind of what I'm, what I'm asking. Uh, well, I mean, I have Calvin Austin inside my top 10 and he'll stay inside the top 10. So I, I'm not sure that a lot of people will have him. I know Cody, you've been a big, you've been a big yep. fan of him for a long time. Um, Sky Moore, I have inside my top 10. I think that that's becoming a little bit more mainstream now than it was around the time of the combine. Certainly um, before he was able to kind of come and show out there outside of the top 10 at this point, dude, I have Jalen Tolbert. He's fallen outside of my personal top 10. Um, I don't feel great about that because I love Jalen Tolbert at the yeah. senior bowl, but I mean, it's like, yeah. who might, who might get Jalen Tolbert? Can, can I really get Jalen Tolbert above sky Moore? Can I get him above Calvin Austin after Calvin Austin runs a four, three, two. I mean, I, maybe I could get him over David bell. I, I, I don't want to get too low on David bell just because he ran that four, six, five and ran so bad just because mm-hmm. I was such a big, you know, I'd always kind of known he was going to run a little bit bad. And um, I, I don't know. It's like I I I I, I torment myself over this. Um, out out of all these guys who are maybe just you know, some those guys are all borderline top ten-ish for me. The David Bell, Sky Moore, Jalen Tolbert. I have Trump, Calvin Austin. That sort of area. After we get th- through with the George Pickenses and the Christian Watsons, right? Um, so th- those are the kinds of guys where it's like that feels like a tier to me. But after those guys, dude, what about our guy Bo Melton? I mean, yeah. Bo Melton from Rutgers, who tested just like a G, who just basically did nothing at the Senior Bowl except just like show us that he's the, the uh, he's just a baller, just oh good at the game. Oh uh, God. I mean, it's just like he was a guy who you came into the Senior Bowl saying this guy's good. He's he's from Rutgers. He's bound to fail. He doesn't look like he's going <laughs> to test well, and but he just goes out there and he's like, this dude, is, he catches everything. I, I gotta give I gotta give Andy credit because he because he because he doubled down and he kind of course corrected, but Andy. Tell tell him what you said before the senior the, bowl, and, and, this and is, now I respect you because you're owning it. But tell him what you said before the senior bowl. The, this is like looking at a time machine to, to one of the first podcasts we did, where I literally said before the senior bowl, like Bo Melton walks into the room with other receivers and looks around. And he's like, "Is this mine? Mine the right spot? Like, is this the right place I'm supposed to be?" Because he looked like garbage on paper. I I, I agree. He looked production compared to everyone terrible, and I've flipped. Totally the other way. Bo Melton can't take enough of him. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 so, and I, as I'm looking at it, I might be, as I'm talking about Bo Melton, I might need to, I mean, I might need to get him up higher. Uh, but I think that probably he's one that maybe one that I could imagine. Yep. I'm trying to look at some of these other dudes. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, we're starting to get pretty deep. I mean, you and I like Danny Gray. Um, yep. I mean, how can you not be a little bit interested in Type One Thornton after he after the testing that he was able to do? We like Valus Jones. He he runs that four three one. It's just he's so so old. Um, but yeah, I would just say maybe you know as far as if we're just digging down to these guys in the top fifteen to top seventeen or so players that you could really see um, kind of caping up and standing for if they go to a good spot and they're showing out in training camp, you can say, Hey, there's going to be something to this. We need to get some of this guy. I say Bo Melton for sure. So I just plugged in the ADPs from, uh, we had 15 mocks this last month. Uh, you can go to playerprofiler.com, go to the dynasty deluxe section, check out the mock drafts, go to, go to rookie, go to startup. 
you go to rookie, you go to one QB, and you scroll down, you keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Bo Melton comes in uh, with an ADP of 43. So he's going between 309 and 506 in, in these drafts. Uh, Khalil Shakir, I saw in the, in the chat, uh, he's going 304 to 505. The other guys you mentioned, um, Jalen Tolbert, you're getting him between the 210 and the 408 with an average ADP of 30.3. Kelvin Austin, 28.3. So we're talking like mid-third round. For, for oh, Kelvin, Kelvin Austin. Austin. Kelvin Austin's ADP is that four ahead of Tolbert's? Yeah, so no, they're they're they're, they're close to each other. So we have Kelvin Austin went between 210 and 402, and Tolbert went between 210 and 408. So so they're literally uh, right next to each other okay. uh, between you know Damian Pierce and, and Algier in that same area uh, for running backs. And I would personally take what you said, Tolbert and Austin, over over an L's year, right? Like I feel confident, and then that's the middle of the third round, right? That's that's three oh four. That's a good third. So, geez, whenever people ask me about the trading away these third round picks, I need to rem- I need to be able to just those names with it. Like, yeah, man, yeah. those are some better names. Wait, third third round is it? But that it, that's got to be in superflex, right? That's that's one QB. One so QB. If I go to super, if I go to superflex now, Bo Melton uh, actually bumped up a little bit. He's at thirty nine. In, in Superflex, Kelvin Austin's 32 in Superflex. Um, so 32 is the end of the third round. Uh, 301 to 405 range. Um, who's the other guy we were talking about? Uh, Jalen Tolbert, 34.4 uh, between 307 and 403. So literally the end of the third round, you're getting Jalen Tolbert. Uh, we have I just, I just, Adam I just, Thielen. Like, yeah, I just smash that. Is that, is that who, is, is that the player profiler comp? Adam Thielen? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's yeah, an interesting yeah. comp for him. Um, that, that's that, that's from that's an athletic and, and stuff. I I had Jeremy Macklin from a play style. Jeremy Mac, if you're getting Jeremy Macklin, Adam Thielen, Sidney Rice, like, wh- who did you have? Who did you have for for a Tolbert? Did you I, come up with a Tolbert well, comp? No, because it, he he came in he came in a lot thicker than I thought. I mean, my, yeah. my 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 first comp just watching is just from watching his film was a Josh Reynolds, just because he looked like sort of like a skinny Mike. He looked like skinny skinny Mike Evans. Which is he's how I always four on the list. Yeah, just how I always thought about. Oh, really? So he's yeah. so he's on the actual list. Okay, fourth, so maybe fourth. I'll just so I'll just keep Josh Reynolds then. I guess if it didn't too egregious. So, <laughs> yeah, I just I, 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 th- I thought he looked a little bit thicker. I mean, you saw him, dude. You saw how built he was the senior bowl. Like Josh Reynolds is a little bit more wiry and sin- sinewy than uh, than Jalen Tolbert, but Reynolds was my original comp. Yeah, that that was the jacked dude. I mean, that was the one dude. Remember, we were sitting there between sessions, and this dude walked out. We were both like, like, "Whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa!" All the scouts were too. (laughs) But yeah, so that's awesome. He's the kind of guy that like made sure and had his like shirt pulled up so you could see his abs. He knew exactly what he was doing. (laughs) He's like, "I'm at home. I'm gonna relax. Show everyone I got some big calves, big abs." Big. I was like, Mm -hmm. "Jesus, guy." But um, but let's go to the next segment first. I'm gonna drop uh, underdog. Go to uh, underdogfantasy.com today. Use that promo code Underworld. Get yourself up to a hundred dollar deposit match bonus. We're gonna be talking about a couple of running backs here in the next uh, five minutes on Underdog. If you go to that Superflex uh, tournament right now, there's only like five or six thousand spots left in the tournament. Brian Robinson, Zamir White, these guys are going at like 170, 180 overall in ADP, about 40, 50 picks past where they should be going and where they will be going in, in a month's time after they get drafted in the third, fourth round. So go jump on underdogfantasy.com today. Use the promo code Underworld and start drafting these rookies in the Superflex and do it now. Um, let's jump into this last segment quick uh, called Rapid Fire Segment. I'm just going to say, who did you prefer in Dynasty, uh, in Dynasty rookie drafts? Uh, with landing spots. So I'm going to give you guys both, you know, I'm going to say a running back's name with a potential landing spot. And, and I'm just going to throw it to you guys and, and just give me who you would prefer in a rookie draft. If you're on the clock, 
Um, so I'm going to go go to Alex first, and then I'll come to Andy, and, and I'll get a response from both you guys. So start out at running back. Brian Robinson lands in New Orleans in the third round. Isaiah Spiller lands in Houston in the third round. Where are you going? Oh, Spiller. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Hands yeah. down. You need you need to make that you need you need to make these harder, Cody. I, well, like... I mean, the thing with Spiller, the thing with Robinson is is like we know Robinson can take a 200 touches. And I and my process there was like we saw what Latavius Murray could do, right? Uh in that offense and, and they're kind of bringing in Winston and and, and it, it just seems like maybe they won't be as pass happy as they were with Breeze. And I thought, man, you know, didn't they Robinson. sign Mark Ingram for two years though? Uh, is he still there? I, I thought they, they, I thought be... I, I thought when they brought him in last year they gave him the, they gave him the rest of last year and something where it's going to be this year too. I'm not sure though. I like let me, yeah. let, me let me let me pull that up. That's a good thing to know. It was a multi was a multi year deal, but yeah, I thought that Mark Ingram's still going to be there. He, Maybe he should just be the he should just be the running back coach at this point. To be honest, <laughs> so did did they not did they not. Did, so yeah, they 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 have him through twenty twenty two. Yeah, they have him. Yuck. He's a he's a he's a two point three million dollar cap hit, only three hundred k dead. They can't get rid, they they can't get out of that thing. So Yuck. I can't see any Brian Robinson, Latavius stuff, and then Isaiah Spiller. I mean, we know that we we know David Johnson's going to be gone. We know Rex Burkhead is old. I mean, he'll have Scotty Phillips to deal with. I guess they did resign. They Burkhead recently resigned Royce Freeman. Um, so he'll give Burke had a couple million. That's like, yeah, but I mean, Isaiah Spiller comes in there and you would, I have to think that he would at least be the kind of the one a, I mean, I, I think that if, I think Houston's probably one of the spots that you would he love for the landing spots that you would love to see a guy like that land. Mm-hmm. My problem, what, a, my problem, what a, what a bad pro day for Spiller, by the way, we were yeah, there. That, at that. that was kind of part of the process was like, yeah. I don't know, man, because like part of me thinks, okay, the truthers that are like, man, the turf is faster in Indy, right? These times are coming out faster than normal. What if just his times are slower than what he actually is going to be in the NFL? Part of me is just thinking, okay, the what if conspiracy side of it. Like, what if he's not that slow? What if he's not as slow as the time the times come out? You know what I mean? Trash yeah. man swears to God that he's not. Trash man says like I don't care what my clock says I don't care what these guys clock says he's <laughs> he's like he's like I don't care and, and you know what he also swears to God he's he's trash man swears to God that Isaiah Spiller was hurt so I don't know it's like that that could really explain the difference in how he looks on I I, I don't I don't think he looks like a four six guy and I don't think he looks like a guy that should that should have the worst vertical and the worst broad jump of any of these running backs yeah. in the whole class right. so. I, I just to me maybe he maybe he was you know was slash is still a little bit banged up. I'm just, I'm just gonna sit on my take uh, that I said last week, Andy. I think he's the master beta of this class, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with that one. But let's move on to the next running back, Jerome Ford to Buffalo, or James Cook in Arizona. Oh man, uh, well you know I you know I'm not huge I'm not huge on Jerome. Jerome Ford. I think James Cook is a guy who I'm going to prop. Did you say James Cook? James Cook to Arizona in that. I mean, with Jerome, with Jerome Ford. So basically, have the Bills signed? Did the, did the Bills did, did they Duke sign Johnson. Duke Johnson? So Duke they Johnson. wanted McKissick. They ended up getting Duke Johnson. And they, now people are mock drafting them with like Brees in the first and and and, and guys like that. So it's they like, have Devin Singletary. I just does Jerome Ford come in there and. Come in there and I mean, what do we what what do we hope like for a Zach Moss kind of role and then with James yeah. Cook he doesn't have a skill set that really goes too well with Con- with Connor being there I don't think um, it isn't like he comes Edmonds in and, 
I, well, I mean, James Cook, James Cook really is. Wait, do, do I have this right that he's one? That he was one ninety nine at the combine. Yeah, yeah, he's small. He's we're smaller, a lot smaller than Dalvin. Caught, 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 caught twenty seven balls. So good for ten percent of the market. So even though his market share stuff looks pretty bad, he did have a ten percent market share of team receptions there with Georgia. I, I would go with James Cook and just hope. I mean, I, I think he's probably better than Eno Benjamin, and just hope he kind of takes over the Chase Edmonds role and maybe can uh, ascend to a kind of spot that we had, you know, hoped for for Chase Edmonds that I'm not sure we ever really got whenever Connor was hurt last year, but you know, Connor's going to miss a few games every year. Yeah, agreed. Andy, you have a thought on uh, Cook or Ford? No, I, th- I think Eddie Alex hit it perfectly. Jerome Ford doesn't make that big of a splash. I don't think from the draft to knock Moss significantly off the depth chart. And with the way that Singletary finished the year last year, like, how can the coaching staff be like, oh, this guy popped on paper enough for us to put him ahead of Singletary and start him over him? I, I just I can't see that happening. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's go to who the boring position tight end first before we hit receiver quarterback. Got to imagine this. This is a couple athletic guys that uh, maybe we didn't think were athletic or maybe we didn't see even coming into the combine. I know Jelani Woods, we walked by at the combine. We both were like, who the hell is that guy? But yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie Kohler to the Giants. Charlie Kohler came in more athletic than we thought. You've seen him in the Big t- in the Big Twelve, and then Jelani Woods uh, from Virginia to Green Bay. Charlie Kohler, New York Giants. Jelani Woods, Green Bay. Couldn't you just see Charlie? Shouldn't you just see Charlie Kohler catching like eight touchdowns or something for Daniel Jones? Um, I, I just I think I think though I think that just the athleticism of Jelani. The fact that Robert Tunyon is going to be coming off, uh, he'll be coming back, right? But he's coming off, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. coming off injury. No Devonte Adams. Um, Jelani tests in the hundredth percentile, basically across the board. Um, I think I, you know, and then you hear from the people, hear from the people, some of the organizers of the Shrine Bowl about what a, what a, what a good, you know, what a good young man Jelani is, and you know how how much they kind of enjoyed having him there. I think that. He's the kind of guy that might develop, could maybe develop some trust with Aaron. I'm just trying to think this hypothetical in my head. Yeah, so sure. I, I just, I kind of, I, I think Joe, I think I would probably have Jelani, but I mean, I could see Kohler in the back of the end zone just catching all these touchdowns, just catching all of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's kind of why, that's kind of why I lean Charlie over Jelani. Cause like, with Jelani still learning? I mean, Compared to the other tight ends, right? Like, kind of still learning the tight end position, right? I mean, I, he he's still relatively new to it, right? I mean, he's only been a tight end for I think three or four years now, compared to Charlie's been playing it his whole life. So, to me, I it's gross to imagine Charlie Kohler at the Giants, but I could I agree with you guys. I could see him catching nine or ten touchdowns. <laughs> I like he's, it. I like he, it. He, he he he'd be like a skyscraper back there, man. Is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who would stop either of these guys. I think both these guys are going to be fantastic red zone guys. I, th- I think I would go Jelani just because of the Rodgers factor. Um, but let's go to uh, receiver, and then we'll hit quarterback Kelvin Austin to Atlanta, where they need a ton of receivers. I think they could go with a bigger receiver, maybe a Tolbert type. But let's go Kelvin Austin to Atlanta and and Bo Melton. Let's stay with the speed guys. Bo Melton to Buffalo. Uh, I love it. That you see, I, lo- I, I, I love. I love. We talk about Bo Melton as a speed guy. It's so great. <laughs> um, uh. But, you know, with that being said, I think that, you know, like I think a lot of the musical chairs are kind of filled up even for a four wide receiver set in Buffalo. I just the, the target volume alone in Atlanta makes me go with Calvin Austin. Yeah. Andy? 
The correct answer is Bo Melton. It, it'll always be Bo Melton. <laughs> I, I just I, I gotta double down. I gotta triple down on this guy, dude. He, like Gabe Davis, goodbye. Right? Oh I mean, Jesus! Kiss, hey. kiss, kiss Gabriel Davis, goodbye. We're talking about a guy that performed over like six games, and everyone's they, losing their mind over. All right, we're not gonna. Hey. All right, no, no. Even the Bills, even the Bills, though they, the, even the Bills love love them some some Gabe Davis. Gabe I say Davis. if anybody's goodbye is so. Did they bring Isaiah McKenzie back? I know that they, they brought, brought McKenzie Jameson back. Crowder, so like, they, they got yeah. two. They have. They have a four wide receiver set right there. I think for me, I just like you look. I mean, there's no Calvin Ridley next year. The Falcons. Yeah. I do. I need to pull up their name. I mean, Russell Gage is going. I need to pull it's, up their. I, it's, it's I think the answer is. I think the answer is Calvin Austin. They, yeah, me. they brought in like Auden Tate and uh, and Gage is gone. It's it, it's it's disgusting in, in Atlanta. Um. Who's so the yeah, quarterback? But, 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 the yeah, quarterback Marcus Mariota. Oh yeah, Mariota. Oh, yeah. But the thing with Buffalo yeah. with Bo Melton is like. You're talking about Jamison Crowder, who I think probably has, you know, a couple years left. Isaiah McKenzie, I think Bo Melton, he might equate to that, but maybe they bring in a younger guy. I don't know. I just it's the dynasty long game thing. I might might go Melton, but I think year one, I think you're gonna get a lot more out of the hundredth percent. Cody, do you have do you have guy. do you do you have Melton in a vacuum ranked ahead of Calvin Austin? No. We have uh Austin at eleven and Melton at sixteen. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah, so they're a little, they're a little ways apart. Uh, let's finish it up with quarterback rapid fire. Desmond Ritter to Pittsburgh at twenty. Uh, Kenny Pickett falls to thirty one and goes to Atlanta. No. <laughs> uh, can I can I just plead? <laughs> Can I can I can I trade for Jimmy G? Can I trade for Jimmy G? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know, man. I think I just <laughs> maybe give me Ritters for the for the Ritter for the. Uh, but man, I, I think Pickett's better than Ritter, so um, I just I think with the, you know if we're talking, I just think for fantasy I might go Ritter. I think Ritter's going to run for more yards in the in the NFL than, than, than Kenny Pickett will. I like Kenny Pickett going to a indoor facility to where he's not going to be outside in the elements quite as much with those hands. Um, it's tough, man. I think uh, I like Pickett better, so I'm gonna go Pickett. I'm gonna. Uh, that's a tough one. That, that's a that's the toughest one yet, though, Cody, for sure. That's good. That's good. Andy, what do you got? Ritter yeah. to Pittsburgh or Kenny Pickett to Atlanta? <sighs> yeah, I, I think I gotta agree with Alex on this one. I, like, I like Kenny Pickett a little bit more. The worry, the worry with me with Kenny Pickett is that. At Pittsburgh, he was a, a product of Mark Whipple's offense rather than being like actually a good prospect. So I'm a little concerned that like he goes to Atlanta, he's got all, some of these red flags. We keep noticing we kind of push it away because he had a couple of really good seasons at Pittsburgh. I, yeah, I guess I guess they got Desmond Ritter, but it's yeah. close. I I take Ritter just because of the weapons, all around weapons. I I would take Ritter. I think I go Ritter too. Okay. You get you, go. you guys talked me into it. You convinced yeah, yeah. him. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I go. Awesome. I go Ritter. It's the, but that was a tough one because I I mean I I don't think Pickett's going to be bad, but I do th- I I kind I kind of I kind of agree with you guys, man. Ritter Ritter might have might have more outs, uh, especially for for fantasy, right? He right. he he certainly brings you more outs. I think. 
All right. Yeah, I, I think I think Ritter's the answer for me anyways. Um, so let's go to this last question here. But if you want to go follow Alex on Twitter, go to at rosterwatch. Uh, go give him a follow. Uh, we'll be back this this later this week with some more mock drafts. But Alex, I want to get you out of here on this question. Since 2009, the national championship, Texas has not won the Big 12. You've been working for Orange Roads for a while here now during this whole process, this whole period. Give us a prediction for 2022. It can be anything you want. Record, bowl game, recruit, Heisman. Give us, give us something. Give, give us a hot take for, for 2022 for Texas Longhorns football. Okay, not only, not only does Bijan Robinson finish as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, but Xavier Worthy finishes as a finalist for the Bolitnikoff. So you're telling me like Bucky Brooks is is saying no quarterbacks in round one, and you're saying what if the teams actually don't like him? My thing is like throughout the entire process, there's been nothing that's told me that these guys don't like him. Like, you know, Carolina is meeting with uh, Pickett, Corral, Willis um, every step of the way. Willis has been talking to Tomlin. Um, we go to, I go to the, the Liberty Pro Day. It's, you know, Tomlin, so they're talking to Freeze. He's talking to Willis. Everything's, like, happy. Like, Terry Fontenot shows up. I don't think these G, I don't think, you know, I don't think Carolina, Washington, Pittsburgh send their entire staff in front office to, to Liberty for no reason. I don't think Detroit sends their VP for no reason. I don't think Fontenot shows up for no reason. Like, I, I don't think... These guys are like, nah, I'm just going to show up. This guy's probably not going to go like, like they've seen him. Fontenot was at the senior bowl. Everybody was at the senior bowl. Everybody was at the combine. You're coming to see him again, right? Like that's where, that's where I don't get, that's where I, I, I have a lot of questions for Bucky and for Daniel Jeremiah because they're either getting exact, like they've either said, hey, Tomlin, are you going to draft him? And he goes, not in round one. And you go, hey, Panthers, are you going to draft him? No, not in round one. And it's like, do you see that happening? Yeah, because it just it just seems it seems weird that it's this far off. I, I mean, in past years, when when is the last time you know I, I don't have anything in front of me at all, and I just wonder when was the last time we had a draft where a quarterback didn't go like in the top thirty-two, like a a single quarterback didn't go. You know what I mean? But I can't remember. Okay, so first round, uh, 2020, we had a bunch. 2019, we had three. Kyler, Jones, Haskins, 2018, we had a bunch. 2017, three. 16, three. 15, two. Only two were uh, Winston and Mariota, one, two. Um, 13, 2013. That would be like the closest. 2013, we had one person go. That was 16th overall, EJ Manuel. Holy fuck, that was brutal. So 2013 was the closest. Um, 2010 was the Bradford year. Tebow went 25. 2001, Vic went number one. That was it. 2000, Pennington went 18. That was it. 97, uh, Jim Drunken Miller went tw- went uh, 26. That was it. 96, no quarterback was drafted. Round one. Wow. Okay. So yeah, 
And then before that, we're talking 88. So 96 and 88 were the last years. Yeah, I just can't see... I just can't see a world where, like, today's NFL, that you end up, like... I just don't get, like, how you could do that and, like, still be taken seriously. You know what I mean? Like... That, that, that 96 quarterback class was horrible. Tony Banks, Bobby Hoying, Jeff Lewis, Danny Cannell... <laughs> fourth fourth round pick, but the like you don't even know any of these other guys. This is horrible. You know, he's so bad. He's known best now for his wild takes on fucking. Where's the Longhorn schedule? But like, if a quarterback was to drop to say say nobody goes until twenty, and then the Steelers take him at twenty, like. That's like Jim Drunkenmiller, 97, goes at 26. Or um, Chad Pennington goes 18. Like, I just... I, I, I mean, it could, he, he could end up being... Like, they could... I mean, I don't know. It just seems very... It seems very implausible that, that, like, he, that he would be considered that low... We've had 17 first-round quarterbacks in the last four years. 20 the last five years. Like, Jordan Love was a first-round pick. Dwayne Haskins is a first-round pick. Josh Rosen was a first-round pick. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just feel like, and these these guys, even if these guys are bad, like, they've gotten enough pump and they've shown enough that it's like, that's where I don't understand the Bucky thing, and I don't understand Malik not going number one or not going in the first round on uh, on, on DJs. It just doesn't make a lick of sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. With the fifth year option, like he's got to be like trying to make a point, or or because then he'll go on his like big board. He'll say, "Yeah, it doesn't have him going round one as mock," and then he'll go, "Yeah, but he's like twenty third in his in his big board." And it's like, okay. Well, I get that. I get how the big board works because it's not how you're going to mock. Mocking's, mocking is based on kind of things you're hearing and things you're seeing. So I get that. But at the same time, either he knows more than everybody in the fucking world or he's a fuck. I don't know. Yeah. You're either, you're either a guy that knows everything else in the world or you're a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Cody Carpenter. <laughs> there are absolutes, two absolutes of the world. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Playerprofiler.com. You're either ever someone who knows everything with us at Player Profiler or you're a fuck. <laughs> Just trying to fuck everybody else and see who follows I am, you. I am fucking this whole audio up right now by eating chips. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Well, like, that's one thing that that I never practice or anything. I always just like walk in and just while I'm saying something is when the next words come out of my mouth. <laughs> so if that makes sense.
I am I am fucking this whole audio up right now by eating chips. I'm so sorry. Either he knows more than everybody in the fucking world, or he's a fuck. There are absolutes, two absolutes of the world. Put it on a t-shirt. You're either ever someone who knows everything with a gossip player profiler, or you're a fuck.